now we're getting into the early 90s now, 90, 91. Uh, and he gets a, a deal with somebody that they, there's an interview with WCW. At this point in time, now keep in mind, you know who hired him at WCW, correct? Well, you're going to tell us. Dusty Rhodes. Dusty and Rhodes. meeting Dusty Rhodes for the first time was a bigger thrill to me than meeting Michael Jordan, only because, you know, childhood. I mean, you know, 70s, growing up, you watched wrestling on Saturday night. If you were from Cobb County, I don't care if you were, you know, or, you know, poor or whatever, you watched it. And uh, meeting Dusty was big. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And at that time, you know, his brothers, they, uh, you know, ran car dealerships and our family's owned car dealerships in Marietta since the 60s. Yes. Um, so Dusty would come down and buy cars. And I talked to uh, his older brother, Steve, and he was like, hey, bro, Dusty Rhodes is coming down here today. You got to be here. I was like, hey, you tell me what time I'm there. And of course, at that point, that's when we first met Dusty and he became a family friend, a great friend. And uh, knowing what he knew about Marcus at that time, um, Dusty came up to me and, and Dusty always had that talk to him, baby. You know, he had to talk right. Dusty came up behind me and said, hey, baby, listen to me, all right? Your boy's special. This boy's going to be good. And I was like, all right, Dusty, I hope so. You know, at this point, nobody knew. But Dusty knew. Dusty believed in him when no one else did. And, of course, hired him in. And, you know, the whole song and dance there as far as hired him in, but wanted to go back to school. And Dusty really didn't think. He had to look. Those pretty teeth, baby. The, your boy got the prettiest teeth in the world. And I was like, Dusty, are they prettier than mine? He said, oh, they're way prettier than yours, you know. But Dusty and I cut up a lot. Dusty was a great friend. God rest his soul. Dusty was, man, uh, just a good friend. And lived for the longest time, and we didn't know this, probably five miles from the Bagwell family mansion in Marietta. We didn't know that then. Such a small world. Wow. Trying to think of that subdivision he lived in. Some township, I think. I think was the name of it. And we found that out, of course, you know, being friends. But Dusty believed and Dusty believed in the look was where I was going, and, and he knew, gosh, he's made for TV. This kid is – and then, of course, when Dusty first saw him wrestle, he's like, wait a minute. You didn't tell me you could wrestle. And then from there, everything came together, and then, you know, the sky's the limit at that point for Mark. And he took the, he took the ball and ran with it. You know, it's funny. I told our producers when you and I first became friends, I told them about you. And I said, you know, you think that Mark Bagwell is one of the best storytellers of all time, but Jerry Hood gives him a run for his money. And putting these two in the same room and telling stories, luck in getting one word in there. And I don't even know how you guys get one word in with each other because you guys are just so good at it. There's something about the Bagwells and you're genetically inclined to tell stories. It's, it's, when he and I go to lunch together and we set an appointment for one o'clock, you have to get on his schedule. I'm a brother, a brother. And when we get there at one o'clock, we're subject to still be sitting there when they're closing the bar, period. I mean, we, it is. And then that's 1 p.m. That's 1 p.m. You're saying. 
1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you're going to be there maybe till close, 2 o'clock a.m. 12 a.m. the next day. Yeah, and, and, and really the stories uh, that we always talk about, that you and I use that cliche, you can't make this up. It all stems back from Big Steve, which, uh, you know, Steve Bagel. Your, your, un- your uncle. That's correct. My uncle. And Mark's, and Mark's, Mark's daddy. Mark's daddy. And he's the world's champion. He's the storyteller. And he always starts a good long story off with, you may have heard the story. And at that point, you know, you're fixing to hear a good story. And you probably have heard it again 10,003 times, but you want to hear it again because it's so dramatic. It's, 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 um, it's, it's, it's a great story. You might have been involved in the story from the brake lights to the, you name it, you know, to the back in the day when we were carrying sheetrock by hand into houses without scissor bed trucks to drag racing, it didn't matter. He will literally to this day, and he and I are very close. He's like a dad to me. Um, we could get on the phone and uh, he'll call me or I'll him and it's minimum an hour, minimum. So if I've got a long drive in from the city, if I'm driving to my farm or what have you, two hours away, he's good for two hours plus. And then usually if, if he's the one doing the talking, he always says, well, hey, buddy, uh, listen, I've got to go. I'm going to need to let you go. I, but he's the one telling the stories. You're just the good listener. And like I say, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trade our, our friendship, family, uh, period, the end, by far. He and I, it's unbelievable how close we are. But that's where also it's so good to have you on here, Jerry. And, you know, first of all, I want to tell you in advance a thank you because you've been a good friend to myself and like a brother and, you know, sharing your stories. And we built oh, up sure. Our- we built up our friendship and, you know, you're really looking out for Mark. And as far as, you know, your kinship with Mark, but if we had Mark all, all in the time with you, I don't know if we can get half these stories in. So one of those things are also, like you said, Mark remembers 90% of it, but sometimes you fill in those details and you guys really work well, but it's also interesting to hear the same stories, but from Jerry's end of it, you know, cause you guys have the same stories and sometimes it goes a little differently. I got to right. ask you that question because, don't know how Mark would feel about it, but I know you have a pretty good idea. Imagine that he did not move to that, that building and he did not meet Missy Hyatt and that whole connection never happens. And he, you know, chances are he does not become a professional wrestler as a result with the family lumber business being sold, never meeting Missy Hyatt. Where do you think Mark would have gone? What do you think? (sighs) Yeah. Would he been a a professional masseuse? What do you think? Actor? That might've been, second as far as being a massage therapist a masseuse all right at that point nobody knew and we never doubted him just because he was so good with people at net at networking it didn't matter i knew even if it came to the point to where he knew about lumber or uh sheetrock or windows and doors at that point uh once everything had closed down with my family i had gone to a another local lumber yard um, as a salesperson and I would have taken him in with me um, or we had an uncle also that worked with us uh, Big Steve's baby brother the one with the Corvettes and the story that you and I talked about who owned uh, golly back in the day I would say from 1972 
till until he passed a few years ago, he owned over 50 Corvettes. And what was the guy's name? It was Tom Jumper Chevrolet here in Sandy Springs, Georgia, which is a suburb right outside of Atlanta. Alan Wolf was the salesperson. And he know when he when he saw Larry Bagwell coming, aka Porky, when he saw Porky coming, he knew immediately right there, which all the brothers, uh, Chick, Porky, Big Steve, they all bought cars from him. So it was, they knew it was time. Hey, it's Corvette time. He'd drive one for a year or two, he'd trade it. Or he'd go buy another one, so he had two. It didn't matter. And uh, that was, wow, that's a lot of Corvettes. But uh, true story. I mean, it's that's big. Did it rub off on you, Jerry? I never asked you. Did you ever own one of those muscle cars? Man, never a muscle car. I've always been, as you know, and I got this from Big Steve, I've always loved a Jeep. A Jeep Grand Wagoneer, uh, the old Wagoneers, the Cherokee Chiefs, oh, yeah. with the, wood the Grand paneling. Cherokees. Yeah. I've got a Grand Cherokee now, as you know. Uh, that thing will do whatever you tell it to do. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's 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 great. But no, no muscle cars. Uh, what I want to do, and I would like to do it with the help of Mark. I would love to buy his dad an old muscle car Plymouth Barracuda, street ready, Hemi uh, motor. But, you know, I mean, we've talked about that for years and years and years. And, uh, but no muscle car for me. You know, I would all, people always say, man, you're really conservative. And, and I wasn't early on, but once I hit 30, about, about 10 years ago, I guess, if you will, yeah. was, you know, that was, uh, I started saving money big. I, I it didn't matter, you know. I just I never really spent it on cars. I was more, you know. Hey, can we go buy five hundred acres of, you know, build let's build a farm, let's deer hunt, let's uh, let's buy some houses or something like that, you know. I mean, but and and and, and being from a car family, owning the dealerships in the city, um. One good reason I forgot about this is I never really had to buy many cars. I just go pick one out off the lot or just go to Steve, his brother, and say, Hey, I need a I need a Camaro SS for a couple of weeks. What color you want? Orange. Done deal, bro. Hey, done. Corvette. Didn't matter. Uh Mustang GT convertible. I know you don't like that Mustang, but uh I know. I've no, nothing against a Mustang. I just never never drove one. That's all. Yeah, um, you know, it's you're a big Chevy fan, and we were big Chevy fans for a while. Ford as well. It didn't matter. Whatever was bringing the dollars in, that's that was it. But uh, uh, so I, I basically I was just picking cars out. Well, of course that was early on, but then once I you know accidentally got married and lost my kitchen passes for going and picking out cars for two or three weeks or traveling the road and, and everything. Uh, having kids bro i was buying minivans and ford expeditions and and <laughs> oh wow that was uh that was the, the camaros and the corvettes and the mustangs and uh those days were gone but uh you know now it's it's back to let's let's, let's drive muscle cars now it's, it's my turn now looking behind you because when you ducked a moment ago you can see the line of uh antlers behind you oh there's a few of them 
Uh, I'm going to presume that those are real, correct? Those are real, bro. That uh, the deer hunting comes in. We're all deer hunters. Bagwells uh, are very well known for hunting. They love their hunting. I beg to go hunting with Mr. Bagwell, Buff Daddy's daddy, if you will. Big Steve. Big Steve. Big I would Steve. say 10, 11, 13, 70, 1978 or 79. Yeah. And my mother would, uh, she, I don't know now, they've got guns. And I was like, that's the whole idea, mom, you know? And she tagged over us, which was, hey, that's, that's fine. And I never went. And they went, not every weekend, during deer season, which starts in Georgia, roughly the first week of September, um, on our farm here in Georgia, we hunt early September through roughly the end of December. Then we would move over to our farm in Alabama and hunt till the middle of February. Now, I believe it's uh, Mr. Bagwell's better at this than I am, but uh, middle of February, February the 10th, roughly. And that's what we did every day, every week, every, you know, maybe that's why I'm not married anymore, but hey, that's cool. But we, you know, <laughs> We, uh, it, and it wasn't just let's go deer hunting. The deer that we've got probably uh, here at this house, probably 20 some odd deer mounted from the game room, uh, the bedrooms to the great room, the garage to where we're going to build another place is what uh, Steve said, the, his brother. And, uh, uh, but these are deer that you, you didn't just go shoot a deer. It was the, you know, a nice rack and a nice rack's always good and these are the deer that you guys in canada would say whoa wait a minute y'all would be proud of and i now back 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 on how did i i'm sorry so i, I never get to, I, I never went hunting never went all oh, this and that nah, 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 nah. finally in 93 i called big steve He's like, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going. He said, bring it. Don't sing it. Bring it. I said, well, I don't have a gun. Sing it, bring it. I love it. Yes. Yes. And uh, uh, I go, first time, kill a buck. I'm hooked. And from that point on now, from 93, you know, to now, you know, almost 30 years yes. later. Yeah. Uh it's it's an everyday thing uh it marks brother steve we just talked the other day and i can already tell we're, we're getting into pre-hunting season now with the middle of july upon us that first week of september we're shooting bows and arrows like every day you know prepping and it's you know the, the bow thing we, we do rifle as well uh mark's really good with a rifle uh he, he's a sharpshooter and, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna uh, ask you what kind of hunter Mark was. If he's a uh, big hunter, hunter. Uh, always went. I believe in 1981 or 82, 11 or 12 years old, shoots his first deer and falls out of the stand, probably 20, 16, 20 feet in the air. Didn't hurt him at all. Judy wanted to kill whoever was there, yes. which. I'm usually the first one that got it. So I had to go hide when we got back. But uh, uh, Big Hunter, it didn't matter. To this day, we've talked about uh, as, as close as we are. I'm like, he, he knows he has a 24-7 imitation here. 
uh, to the property to the properties where we're you know either our farm or where we manage the best I, I, you know, as far as managing properties uh, me learning growing up as far as how to how to do the properties correctly big Steve and Steve Jr by far period the end can put properties together and grow big deer and and, and that's where I learned you know back 93 how old was I back then gosh not very old but that's when I started and Mark with us along the whole way. And then of course, you know, as the season, when the season came around, it didn't matter what season deer season was because Mark was always uh, WCW, Thursday night, Friday night, Monday night Nitro, taping Saturday. Uh, he's home on Monday or Tuesday or get home Tuesday. He went late in the bed, worked out and tan. That's all he did, that was his job. I'd say, well, hey, bro, we need to go hunting. I can't go this week. I can't. So he slacked off a little bit. But during the, uh, uh, we had a farm in Eatonton back uh, early 90s, probably through 2010. Um, it was a lease piece from uh, from a gentleman. He came out there through, through that thinking all the time. And then I'd say over the past 10, 12 years, not quite as much, but uh, hopefully this year, I think I think we're going to get him out and do some cooking and hunting and chasing or whatever we do. You know, whatever we whatever we do best, we'll do it. I got to ask you: Is growing up and into adulthood, are there any sports that Jerry Hood could take Mark Bagwell on? Could you beat him in anything? Do you think? Wow, I beat him at pinball once. Does that count? Pinball as a sport? Uh, no. That's, pro that's probably in the Olympics ahead of baseball, unfortunately. But no, I don't think we classify that quite as a sport. By far, basketball. Basketball, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm the champion. Period. Period. The end. Uh, his, bro his middle brother, John, is a hooper. He's, you know, by far. And no, I, I'll tell you, no, I cannot. In case he's accidentally listening, no, I cannot beat John at basketball. He will be Maybe listening at some today, point, Jerry. But... So yes, you will be accountable for all of this. Yeah, uh, Steve never was a basketball player. Uh, he could play, he could shoot, but he was a football player by far, scholarship, college, um, full ride, the whole everything. You know, he's 6'4", 6'4", 230. Yeah. And still to this day, he's 59 years old. He'll be 60 in January. And if he rolled in here today, he looks like he's, without the gray in his beard, he looks like he's about 35 years old from head to toe. Amazing. And solid as a, you're a trainer, you train. It, it, there you go. It, the chosen one. Yes. I don't say the chosen lawyer because I don't need you yet. So I just say the chosen one. But uh, well, as long as long wow, as you don't uh, curse when you say my name, we'll go with chosen one. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Never. Uh, but basketball for sure. He was good at whatever he picked up. It didn't matter if it was wiffle ball, ping pong, pinball, Monopoly, Atari. You know what Atari is? Of course. <laughs> okay. Nintendo, the champion. And he, he was a – and, and the, the, the Corvette guy, Larry Bagwell, Forky, same with him. His brother John, Mark's older brother John, same with pick it up. They all were. I mean, it's 
it was, it, it didn't matter. It was baseball. It didn't, no matter what, I probably, I'm not even going to touch on the baseball. He was a great hitter. Uh, he was defensively was, was, was great. Uh, but basketball by far would probably be my, now he'll, he'll beg to differ because in basketball with Mark, he sort of combined football with basketball. So you're subject to get tackled at any given time if you put a great move on him and dunked on him or, you know, it was good. But he was still good at basketball. Don't let me uh, – let's give credit where credit's due. Absolutely. Now, as we're starting off this chapter, uh, very, very important as, as we're ending here that this is not the end, Jerry, but we're going to have many, many chapters to come. And what I wanted to relate to people was one of our conversations after – you had watched an episode of The Chosen Life at the time uh, and, and Buff Mark, Marcus Alexander Bagwell had appeared. And I said to you, you've seen Buff on so many different podcasts and forums. Why me? Why this forum? What, what brought you over here to reach out to me specifically? And do you recall what you said? The podcast originally, which I'm never, I'm not a podcast guy. And I was actually looking, scrolling through the internet, YouTube, looking for a 1996 Halloween Havoc match where his mom entered the ring to send to his brother. His brother wanted it. And here's the chosen lawyer that pops up. Something about Buff Bagwell. And I said, well, wait a minute, what's this? That's a podcast. Oh, really? oh bro, no, no, no. Well, so I watched it. And from there was hooked. And I was like, the show, after seeing other podcasts after that, I always went back to you. Always went back to you because of the, uh, you and Mark are friends. You, you cared. And it was always professional. It's clean. It's fun. We always have a good time. We say we're going to take for an hour. We end up five hours. We never get enough time in. And, 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 and you leading and, and, and it just works. And, and so from that point on, I'm not a guy that's going to reach out to you. I would rather you reach out to me. Well, you didn't know who I was. But we reached out, I guess, almost together after I just I saw where everyone was commenting on the, the podcast, the particular podcast back then. I don't remember which one it was, but immediately it was almost within minutes, less than half a day, maybe you responded back to me. And, and then from there, it grew as you and I grew and it grew. And, 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 and then from here, once we knew that we were going to do the docu-series, The Real Life of Mark Bagwell, um, and then everybody, the producers and everybody came and I was like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, you, you guys, as far as the script goes, you know what we do, and what we have. And but as far as what I have, what you've seen that we talk about, it's almost like, why do I have to write this down? When I know it's in, it's embedded here. I I can go back over it a thousand times. We lived it. I know it. It was almost like um, I didn't give the eulogy at his mom's funeral, as you know. But I was a speaker, and I made a list of notes. And that was her favorite things. You got to make your notes. If you don't make notes, you ain't gonna get it done. That was her favorite saying. And so I had my notes, and when I got up on stage, I was great at the funeral. I was I was I was you know, celebrating her life. Everyone was there. It was sad, but it was, you know, we look back at the memories and, and, and what she did for everyone. And I'm happy. And uh, my family members are saying, you know, hey, everything good? You good? I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready. Until they announced my name.
And at that point, I was done. I couldn't speak uh, emotionally. Just it, it took, the emotions took over. But back to the notes. When I was there, I was like, why do I have these notes? I wadded it up, threw it down. It's, 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 it's right here. I remember from a small child, you know, and it's just, that's, it was it. So same with, same with Mark. I don't, I don't need notes. I mean, there's things that he tells me, and you remember that time and that's our favorite lunch. Do you remember that time? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. And then I'm the same way. Hey, do you remember the time that he was like, Oh my God. Yes. And where'd you find that, bro? How did you, and my memory, now he's been through a lot, but my memory is pretty good. His dad's memory, and that's where, you know, where he gets it, some of it. His dad can remember the last dollar he spent in 1973 and what he spent it on. And that's just, you know, he's got a good memory as well. He brings up a lot of stories and, and you know, it's unreal that you can't, you can't make this up. And that's where we have a lifetime of stories ahead for us. And I got to tell you, Jerry, um, Mark was many, many times on The Chosen Life. And, you know, about the docuseries we do with Steve Carsey, The Chosen Journey, talking about his baseball life. And you're a fan of that one as well. And we've talked about that. And it only made sense, you know, Mark and everything he's done and he's doing, that he needed a voice, the real Mark Bagwell, the real stories, cut out the headlines, take up the top hat. Let's really talk about it. And I'm grateful for it. I know the fans are grateful for it. Without you and your stories and your kinship with Mark, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We wouldn't be doing this series. It wouldn't exist. And you know what? Mark is very lucky to have you as a cousin, as a brother. And uh, a lot of people loving and supporting him. And I'm really excited about where we're going to go with this because there's a lot of stories to tell. Nothing but good things, bro. Good to good. Way better, more better. To, it's it's going to be better stories to come. Period. The end. You know, I've got, whoo. How long is your program? Well, you know what? You're going to, it's going to, it's every week. So it's going to drop every Saturday. And so Jerry, you keep that notepad by your bed. You keep the, the notes going. And sometimes it'll be me and you. Sometimes it'll be me, you and Buff and uh, Mark together, the three of us. And the stories are going to fly. So looking forward to it. I can't wait. So brother, thank you very much. We'll see you back very soon. And very likely the next time we'll be seeing you, it's going to be with Mark here as well. Can't wait, bro. All right. Have yourself a good evening. Thank you for the stories. Absolutely.